Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Daron. And I'm Nicole. And today, Coach's Corner with Asia Campbell. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 51 of the Eat Right Nutrition podcast. Today, we are joined again with Asia Campbell talking about what she does in coaching, which is coach badass women in high school and collegiate sports. Asia, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I think, Asia, you were with us for I, I feel like it was like episode four or something. Yeah, it was right at the beginning. Yep. Yep. One of the uh, the pioneer episodes of the podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we loved you so much that you're back. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks and for having me. I'm really happy. This time we're talking about you and all of your work as a coach. Yes, I'm excited to share. Um, yeah, I've I've been coaching for about eight years now and, you know, went from gen pop coaching in like a CrossFit setting to becoming a certified strength and conditioning specialist and working predominantly, um, with young, uh, women athletes, uh, in high school and college and a little bit of gen pop. So talk to us about some of the work that you do and what you do with these ladies. So um, in my coaching business, Adagirl, I help women become the best possible version of themselves. I like to call it reclaiming badass. And we do that through fitness, habit, and behavior coaching. And it really started with my own journey, uh, my own weight loss journey, and just discovering how fitness really helped me rediscover my body and loving my body and everything it could do. So when I became a coach, I started helping other women do this and was hired at the high school that I'm coaching at now, the Mary Lewis Academy to oversee their strength and conditioning program. So I get to do like, I get to wake up and just live my passion every single day. It's, it's really amazing. That's awesome. Wait. Okay. So help me out. I don't have children. How old are these girls? So they're high school age. So 12, 13, they come into high school and they depart about 17, 18. So mm -hmm. their high school career, basically. Yeah. And what's the what type of sports are we talking? So I uh, I actually oversee over 240 athletes at the school. So that is wow. every sport you could think of. We have basketball, softball, soccer, tennis, lacrosse we have bowling we have a bowling team dance bowling team. team we have a bowling team we have a dance team um a volleyball team cheer so i mean i really see athletes it runs the gamut that's amazing is there specialty coaching for bowling athletes i was just gonna ask. <laughs> <laughs> really good grip and forearm strength yeah. <laughs> endurance you got a you got a deadlift practice that grip Exactly. <laughs> Just deadlifting bowling balls with your with your fingers. So Asia, in our conversation earlier, you talked about basketball players and how you love coaching basketball players. Talk to us a little bit about that. So I am very lucky that I get to spend a lot of time with the school's basketball team. They have an amazing coaching staff that really puts a lot of thought and effort into their um 
their, their basketball program. So they are one of the teams that I get to see all year long, which is nice because I take them through all the different phases of their training from off season to preseason in season, all that stuff. And besides the basketball team, just being a riot, I enjoy being able to help them with the mechanical, um, needs of their sport, like the very specific mechanical needs of their sport, which happen to be a lot of, you know, you want to produce power for your vertical jump, but you also have to be careful because, you know, the shoes that are generally worn in basketball aren't really as kind to ankles as we think they are. So I enjoy working with them mostly because I get to see them most months out of the year. (laughs) You know what I always wondered, and I love basketball sneakers because they have great arch support and for mm-hmm. me, that my feet are just weird. So basketball sneakers are always so clunky. Yeah, they're big. They're like they're big, spaky. heavy sneakers. Yeah. yeah, I don't get that. And they're running up and down the court. I feel like they yeah. run more than other athletes and they've got the heaviest sneakers. They're <laughs> heavy. They're super heavy. And they also while they do a great job of protecting the ankle, sometimes that can be a double-edged sword because if you have weak ankles and you're just like, it's the same idea as like a weight belt. You know, if you're relying on the weight belt to provide the stability you need, you're never, you know, and you're not working on the stability you need, you're never going to get it. So, but basketball shoes are just, I don't know. They're, they're, they're a moneymaker. I mean, they, they have some really fancy ones out there, but. (laughs) Well, you also think the height of basketball players too, like they, I don't want to say all basketball players have big feet, but if you think about the height of a basketball player to the ratio of their foot, those sneakers are not only cumbersome, but probably bigger sizes. So they're heavier. Yeah. Even heavier. Yeah. 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 Do you, do you find, so you work with multiple different athletes. Do you find that the women that are taller, mm-hmm. right? The young, these mm-hmm. are young women that are taller. Are, are, yeah, Cause they're, they're still growing. That, right. Are they mm-hmm. the ones that oh, yeah. gravitate towards uh, basketball or that young, are they still kind of, you know, just mixed? Most of the students that come in for our basketball program have been playing basketball for several years, like since infancy, some of them, like they, (laughs) they were came dribbling out the womb. So I would say for the most part, there are some students that will come in and, you know, if they're, if they're tall, we see a lot of crossover athletes. So a lot of our volleyball players, because there are different seasons throughout the year, like volleyball is a fall sport and then you have basketball season which is late fall more like a winter sport for us so you'll see like sometimes there'll be some scouting of the volleyball players for the upcoming basketball season (laughs) there are some very tall individuals that have an interest in playing basketball but for the most part a lot of the athletes that we get have already really been practicing their sport for a few years pretty intensely yeah I feel like sports now have feeder programs that start at Mm -hmm. very young ages. Oh, yeah. These girls, I mean, you're coaching them all the way through what? Ninth, ninth through 12th grade. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming a decent amount of them are going into collegiate sports. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the goal for for many of them. That's got to be pretty cool being involved in that process because Mm -hmm. that's a big part of their lives. And we're talking scholarships where they're going to go to school, who's going to scout mm. them. So I think it's pretty cool that you get to be a part of all that and training them and preparing them for that and bettering them in their sport. It's such a, what's the word I'm looking for? Privilege to be able to, to, to do this with them and, you know, follow them through like, you know, I I've been there now for four years at the school 
And to see freshmen come in, you know, unsure of themselves, maybe lacking some different skills, but really passionate about what they're doing and dedicated and to see them transform into the athletes that, you know, we get to send to college and some really impressive colleges to boot is, is such a joy. But, um, one thing I did want to mention is we also recently launched a couple of years ago, the sports medicine program at the high school. So a lot of what I get to do with the student athletes and just the regular students is introduce them to strength and conditioning. Um, they're introduced to athletic training, to some other fields in the sports medicine, um, you know, some other careers, excuse me, in the sports medicine field. So I like to think of it as a lot of the students that I come in contact with, whether they have me training them because they're an athlete or I'm teaching them, you know, because they're in my program, you know, we have a lot more younger, especially women walking around with knowledge about strength and conditioning and, and nutrition and recovery and stuff. So I just think that's pretty cool. Yeah. So do I let's get them up and yeah, Nicole, you were bigger. Yeah. You were one of our (laughs) guest speakers this, this semester. (laughs) I was, I was very honored to be able to speak to them. They were also cute (laughs) (laughs) and they, they loved it. Yeah. I think one of the cool things is because we know that with, uh, strength and resistance, or strength and conditioning comes confidence, right? When yeah, people absolutely. in general, right, they lift weights. So you've got to just see, it's got to be cool to see their transformation from, like you said, they're coming in as freshmen and they might even be, you know, unsure of who they are. They don't, you know, they're not really fully developed yet as people. And then you see them gain this confidence and go through this whole process throughout high school. And you basically watching them grow up not just grow physically, but also grow mentally as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And from a female standpoint, these young girls that are being able to now be trained in strength and conditioning to build from a performance standpoint and love their bodies from a performance standpoint, instead mm-hmm. of aesthetic and weight and all of the things that you can lump into that category of um, body image and things of that nature, being able to allow them to experience that at such a young age from ninth grade on, that's by far the most powerful thing I think as a coach you can instill in them. Yeah, that's, that's the best. That is the best part of my job. Hands down. I remember when I had first started coaching and I was working with the track team and we were deadlifting, you know, like we were doing, you know, it wasn't heavy. It wasn't anything crazy. It was just, here's your introduction to deadlifting. I had ordered some hex bars and mm-hmm. I remember this one young athlete, she ended up deadlifting her body weight and just the confidence that I saw in her after that. And the fact that she came back in, she said, coach Asia, I went home. I told my parents, I lifted my <laughs> body weight and they told me to be careful. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, your parents are right. You should be careful. But you know, she was just so excited and it took training for her to a whole different level yeah. because she was able to see a totally different perspective around training. So I have a question. Let me go back a little bit. How from a school system or district system, how did you guys get this type of program in your school system? Because we know there's a lot of school systems that don't do this type of strength and conditioning for their athletes within the school's program. Correct? Right. Right. So So, tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So Mary Lewis is a Catholic. It's a private school. So they're alone, there are different, you know, ways Mm -hmm. that we can get different types of funding and, and ways to implement different programs. So the program that we have, like, so you're talking about strength and conditioning, or you're talking about the diploma designated or both, both just having. Yeah. both. 
Yeah. Cause really my role is, is dual, mm-hmm. you know, I'm hands-on with the students, but then I'm also hands-on and coaching them, but hands-on and teaching them. And basically we have a couple of diploma designated programs. We have a pre-med program, a STEM program, a robotics program, and there was a need, there was a, they were seeing that our athletics program was growing. You know, mm-hmm. these athletes were getting better and better every year. And some other schools in the area had been talking about hiring, you know, strength conditioning mm-hmm. coach or an athletic trainer to take care of injuries and rehab. Mm-hmm. And I think the star, the stars just aligned the athletic director who hired me, who was a good friend, um, Joe Lewinger. He he brought me in, brought, you know, there was already an athletic trainer there and a chiropractor there and basically said, you know, we want to create a program around sports medicine that will prepare young women for careers or pursuing careers in the sports medicine field. But we also want you to, to have a full program, a robust program, training <laughs> program for all of our 240 athletes. Um, wow. so it's, it's been a process, you know, it's, it's always, evolving and growing, but, you know, thankfully there, they, the school realized that there was a need mm-hmm. for specialized coaching and athletic training. And because the students always come first, they source the people to, to make that happen. And I'm just happy that, you know, I was invited to be on the team. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I think every school needs yeah, I do. I agree. Yeah, I remember gym class and I remember. Well, the that's weight, why the I asked. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, it was BS. It's horrible. <laughs> nobody knew what they were doing. Like the gym teachers don't. They know about gym class, you know, you they're phys a- ed like they were. They would just do, you know, you played games and more about being part of a team. I remember learning stuff like that, like right, your right. teammates and supporting your team and everybody's in it for the win type of thing, but never the strength and conditioning. I mean, I remember growing up, getting into a gym and feeling like, why didn't I learn this in school? I, first of all, I would have been way better of a student just from a mental health standpoint, if I had Absolutely. been able to lift when I was growing up that young. So yeah, yeah. lots of good stuff. For sure. For sure. All right. So Asia, talk to us a little bit about some of the programming that goes into these young women that you, you and I kind of earlier talked about their off season, Mm -hmm. their preseason, their season and their postseason. So let's kind of go through that order and what their training looks like and how it kind of differs from, you know, the time of year for, from season to season. Sure. Um, so like for me personally, I, don't lump off season and postseason together. And I'll explain that in a second, but I'll, I'll probably just kind of focus more on best. Like if I were, you know, I'll take you through with basketball in mind. Off season is really the time that we use to develop, you know, muscular endurance, strength, power, all those things. You have a few weeks where, you know, their practices aren't at high priority. It's more about developing, like I said, the strength or the power that they need depending on the needs of the the team or the individual athletes and a, a combination of both. Then we go into the preseason. The preseason is when we're going to really start dialing back that super strenuous, strenuous and intense strength work. And we're going to start to focus on power and skill transfer and maintaining the power and skill and, and strength that was developed in that off season. Once we're done there, we're starting to get closer to the end season. We're starting to get closer to their season. So practices are going to be a little bit more frequent. And what you'll see is the frequency in the weight room will kind of decline a bit 
the volume will decline. Um, we'll start focusing a little bit more on mobility recovery. This is where I really like to talk to students about ways that they can maximize their recovery and, you know, through sleep, through nutrition, through, um, just listening to their body. Um, and then we're back to the postseason. and the postseason. the reason I, I differentiate it from the off season is I used a couple of weeks after their season, after they're, you know, given a little bit of a break, some time off to focus on, all right, what injuries might have we accrued during the season? They're always a little beat up, you know, that's part of, of sports, but, you know, trying to undo some of the damage that was yeah. done and prep <laughs> them to go back into that off season where we start that cycle all over again. again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Can we get into specifically what some of their programs look like? Sure. So for like, if we're talking basketball, um, I like to do a lot of posterior chain work for their strength. Um, I do a lot of, a lot of deadlifting. We do box squats. There's really not a reason like, for instance, for a basketball player to have to do like what a weightlifter does, which is like ass to the ground with their squats, you know, box squats are fine. It's all about developing power. So sled pushes, we'll have them do a lot of stuff that mimic, you know, what they're doing on the court. So a lot of things that involve like med balls and throwing and jumping, we work on their ankles, you know, so we'll have things like heel lifts. I would say we do maybe a four to six week strength program in the off season. And this is after we've done like all the muscle endurance stuff and the hypertrophic stuff and just creating like that baseline. And during this time, we also test the athletes. So coming out of the season, we'll test them. And then somewhere during the off season, we'll also test them. What kind of testing is going on? So I, I like, so basketball, we'll do a vert, you know, vertical jump test. We do some like agility drills. So, you know, maybe doing the T test, we'll do, you know, we'll do some sprinting tests, some speed tests as far as strain testing, you know, I keep it very simple because they are in high school and not many of them have that training age under their belt, keeping it very simple, doing things, you know, like a three rep max or five rep max with the hex bar, you know, after they've obviously learned how to deadlift or doing things with, you know, kettlebells and dumbbells and testing their muscular endurance. So, you know, it runs, it runs the gamut. I usually sit down with the coaches. We talk about the previous season, what the needs are. We identify the needs of maybe some of the individuals on the team, but more importantly, the needs of the team overall. And that dictates testing and what we're implementing in that off season. You, so you work with some gen pop people as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you find a difference in the functionality of their bodies, like their mobility, their ability to do things like squats or lunges or their hinge patterns, right? Like, is there, do you find a difference between, I guess, high school athletes and gen pop in terms of how they move? Oh yeah. High school athletes are for the most part, when you start working with them, um, like Bambi. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're, they're discovering their own bodies and growing into their own bodies. Gen pop people for the most part, you know, like you're comfortable a little bit more with your movements. I mean, there are exceptions to the rule, but I find that, you know, there's, there's a little bit more hesitancy with high school athletes. They're not sure they've never really done it or they think they've never done a hinge before, you know, like, so there's, there's differences in the way you need to speak to them, the the kind of cues you're giving them, um, just because of their own spatial awareness. And that usually happens, you know, comes with age and experience. So 
they move different. <laughs> cool. So we talked briefly about, and I think this is something that I've noticed as well with athletes. When I talk to young athletes, maybe in the gym and all of the things that they do, all of their activities, mm. uh, we talked a little bit about youth athletes and overtraining. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, I see. And it, I feel like it, it becomes more every year. I see a really high level of, you know, whether you want to call it over overreaching or overtraining um, in youth athletes, just due to the sheer amount of practice and competition in their sport that they're exposed to, but also in combination with having poor eating habits, poor recovery habits, it just creates the perfect storm. Mm-hmm. You know, even, even more so than adults, it creates that perfect storm of getting to a place where you're really breaking your body down. Yeah. Um, so like there are some, some athletes who can go seven days a week or six days a week because they're playing for their team at the school, but they're also playing for their club or their league, you know? Yeah. So I, there's, it's tough because I have to walk a line as a coach. You know, I'm not their sports coach. I'm their, I'm their strength and conditioning coach. So until I think there's a general shift in that thinking, you know, I try my best to just equip them with here's how, here's the best way to recover after a game. If you have a game the next day, or here's what you're going to eat pre and post competition, or if you're, you know, how to check in with yourself, some breath work, some different things that they can utilize throughout their seasons, because it's hard to save an athlete from themselves. And of course they want to be the best they can be. So sometimes it's also not just the external forces, you know, with the practices and, and the pressure there, but it's also the pressure that they're putting on themselves that can help contribute to breaking them down. So you mentioned the nutrition piece, which is good. And I feel, feel like that's where I want to segue into next, because mm-hmm. I always tell people there are three scenarios where you could be overtraining. And one is you're just doing too much activity. Two is you're not necessarily doing too much activity, but you are undernourished for the amount of activity that you're doing. And then three is basically both like you're working out too much and you're undernourished. Yeah. So those are like the three scenarios. And nutrition obviously is somewhat of a conversation with athletes because you want to make sure that they're fueling themselves to be able to perform better. So what are some of the things that or conversations that you'll have with them around their nutrition? First and foremost, it's you need to eat. Say it again. You need to eat. And especially if you're a young woman, I know, Nicole, you had mentioned this before, so I don't Mm want to steal this. I got this from you. Um, I confirmed it with you. We know that female athletes need more food. They need more calories to support their activity. So I try to just make sure that they understand that they're eating to perform. They're eating for fuel, you know, and nothing else. And I mean, you're eating for, you know, you can enjoy it as well. That's important. Yes, yes. But <laughs> teaching them that they need to eat, teaching them that they should not be avoiding carbs because that is still very, very much ingrained in young women's like heads, you know, stay away from carbs, teaching them about macronutrients and what those macronutrients will deliver to their bodies. And then telling them when it's going to be most beneficial for them to go after those macronutrients, when it's great for you to have a meal that has carbs and protein, when it's good to just have some protein, you know, when, when should you, what food should you stay away from? That's really where we start when we're talking about nutrition. Um, and that 
I guess, simplifies it in a way and makes them understand that it's beneficial for them. Like I'm not just giving them the information. I try to really educate them on why that information is important yeah. for them. Yeah, absolutely. Man, what is it with carbs and, and soci- society it's... in general, not just females? I like... know, but female, <laughs> listen, females get, I think, I don't, how do I say this? Females take it the hardest I, or it's, get hit the hardest. Yeah, by um, marketing. It's marketing. Yeah. <clears throat> it's it's totally marketing. And they, and, and the female athletes specifically, I mean, <sighs> I could go into it deep. They're getting, that's yeah. an age where they're getting their menstrual cycle. Some of them, you know, they, they're all over the map to begin with as a teenager. Like that was, that's hard yeah. enough to do <laughs> as a female, but they're still on what I call shaky ground in terms of what their body needs. So if you're depriving them when they need it the most on top of all of the stressors that they're putting on themselves, and this goes from the school, like their schoolwork to then they add in being an athlete. That's like a, a double whammy of all the stressors on their body. And they're just trying to find themselves as teenagers. So you, you got a lot of stuff going on there. Um, and, and so and to not school, be eating and they're getting picked on and there's just all that stuff, but it's just being a teenager. Remember being a teenager. It sucks. Like it sucks. All the great stuff that comes along with growing and finding yourself is wonderful, but yeah, they're rough years. And so I think the the other piece to having a coach like you and a team of coaches that you are instilling in these girls is that they have support. This is the part around the female aspect of athletes that I think is really empowering. Yeah. A lot of girls don't have that person to go to. If they're watching their mother cut carbs, that's not going to help them really because they're, there's a, what is it? Role model that is doing the exact same thing so that they look skinny. So and I know right. I'm treading on, you know, shaky ground here, but it's true. Yeah. So if they have a coach that they can go to, that's teaching them about fueling their body, performing, getting stronger, loving having strong, thick thighs or having curvy hips or a body that can handle a bar or weighted bar, that's going to give them such a powerful ground to, you know, just from a health standpoint. And also, yeah, think about also the fact that the fitness industry is so underregulated. So they're going on to Instagram, Instagram and TikTok, and they're watching sometimes fitness influencers that are not trainers and are not professionals Mm -hmm. and are pushing really dangerous products to these young Young people and and young girls definitely get the bulk of it, you know? So, so to answer your question, Jerome, (laughs) carbohydrates are scary for women because they just are. And everybody keeps pushing it. Because everybody told us our whole lives that carbs yeah. are bad and carbs are not. Carbs and are that you should be skinny like that. Like, let's well, be honest. There's a physique I look mean, that carbs women are, chase. Carbs. I think a lot of like this is all like insulin. Carbs, people, as you like people, me to say. Yeah. Carbs. People, as I, well, as, as I like you to say or as, as you actually do say. <laughs> uh, there's a difference there. I like to make fun of the fact that you actually do say that. You know, insulin has been demonized, right? I, yeah. you know, and oftentimes when I talk to people, I don't know if high school athletes are really thinking about insulin. I think they're just thinking about carbs, but they're not. Oh, they're not. Yeah. Where, where, <laughs> where I'm going with this is that we've demonized insulin to be a store, quote, a storage hormone, right? That, yeah. That's all that mm-hmm. insulin does is just store fat, like as if it has no other, no purpose. other function. Yeah. It's not beneficial towards uh, driving amino acids and vitamins and minerals into the cell, right? It's not beneficial for anything but storing fat, apparently. So we have these misconceptions around insulin as something that our body needs. We don't survive without it. So I think it's great 
for them to have somebody to actually educate them around performance. And, you know, when they see these influencers, you have to differentiate. And this is something that we all talked about before is that you have to differentiate between training for a sport or training for performance and training for aesthetics, because Mm -hmm. those are two different things. Yeah. Just because you're an athlete doesn't mean that you're going to have this crazy physique. Those are two different styles of training. Right. One one of them is I'm just focused on macros to make myself look better. And I'm probably depleted in nutrients in order to achieve that. And the other one is I have to nourish my body and I do need some level of healthy body fat in order to perform better. Because if my body fat goes too low, I'm not going to perform well. And with women, it's also super important because Nicole, like you mentioned, They're just getting into their menstrual cycles. They're still growing and developing and you don't want to do anything to throw off that menstrual cycle. And I think that's something that is often we find with young, young female athletes is that they're not nourishing their body enough to have a healthy menstrual cycle. And you know, that can learn, can can lead to long-term health consequences. So we definitely want to think about that too. Yep. And also, you know, a big part of my job is to keep an eye out for disordered eating and, you know, be able to approach it and and facilitate that that person get to, you know, because that is not within my scope. So I would refer out to to someone else. But, you know, that is a part of my job. And it's unfortunate that I have to be so diligent about it. But, you know, hopefully uh, the education and podcasts and groups like Eat Right and Adagirl are pushing that information out. So, you know, people understand nutrition better. And it's not just like, oh, I need to look a certain way to play this sport. It's like, no, you need to feel a certain way yeah. to play your sport, you know, and, and you need to feel good. <laughs> yep. And you need carbs. <laughs> you, need, you, need, you, need you need carbs. carbs. If you get anything from this podcast, right, from this podcast, female you athletes, carbs. you need female carbs. Need carbs. <laughs> carbs. <laughs> They need to go to Boston and eat some cobs. Another big thing, it's 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 in the realm of nutrition. Athletes, especially high school athletes, do not hydrate and they pass out all the time because they instead will go to Starbucks and get like a <laughs> venti iced coffee with all the fixins and drink those throughout the day. So another big issue that my ATC and I always have to tackle at the beginning of every year is going through the proper hydration and fluid balance talk with all the athletes, letting them know when you grab the Gatorade or the sports drink, when you want to prehydrate, like, and, you know, other things that they can use outside of Gatorade, um, if that's not around or different foods that they can use to help replenish their hydration and electrolyte levels and all that stuff. So that's a great point. Absolutely. Question for you where where do parents fit in in terms of the nutrition like is there any type of education for the parents around because when I look at at it from this standpoint I say Nicole's like over here shaking her head (laughs) when I I look I look at it from this standpoint like anytime that I've coached a youth athlete on nutrition coaching it's always been a collaborative effort with the parents because Mm -hmm. the parents are the ones grocery Mm -hmm. shopping the parents are the ones cooking so Is there anything that is provided to the parents as well as the students? That's a good question. So we typically will give 
it's funny because I, I, now that I'm saying this, I'm like, I'm realizing the whole, we give the students a lot of the information to pass to their parents, but we've started actually keeping parents on email so that when those students get things sent to them, parents also get them. So for instance, one thing I'm working on is revising. We have in the area that we're in, which is Jamaica Queens, um, you know, you have your fast food joints, you have like a couple of grocery stores, you have the bodega and giving them some ideas because I get it. Like when you're a student, like maybe your parents can't make you lunch. Maybe like you're not, you know, able to get to the, to the supermarket to shop for yourself, you know, and you're on this like little high school budget. So <laughs> here are some ideas for Burger King or for Wendy's or for absolutely Chipotle. Yeah. You know, um, here are some healthy things that you can get off the menu. Um, so you can stay on track, but as far as the parents, it's really just communicating to them how important, just like we are with the kids, how important it is for them to eat nutrient dense foods, to have access to those things. You know, maybe it's providing the parents with like a shopping list. Like here are some healthy greens, here are some healthy fats, you know, to go for some proteins. Like this is, and teaching, this is where like things like teaching something as simple as hand portion sizes, you know, can help parents tremendously when they're buying food throughout the week, figure out, all right, well, like, how many chicken breasts is this kid going to eat? It's like, well, she, <laughs> if the parents know exactly what the goals are, you know, yeah. that it makes it easier down the chain. But I agree with you, Jerome, when we're coaching youth athletes, you're also coaching those parents because those kids don't have the control that like an adult would have with, with, you know, they don't have the same freedoms. So it's yeah, a family. I effort. love the giving them, arming them with as much information for the fast food type of, um, options is, is phenomenal because they're, they are still kids. Like we do, we treat them like athletes, like they're adults and they have this powerful job to take care of their body, to be fueled, but they also still want to go to Starbucks and get that, you know, drink. And if we teach them, or if you're teaching them that they still can do all those things within a certain kind of scope of their development and being an athlete, then they get to have the best of both worlds. And that's really pretty powerful. And it teaches them flexibility. Yes. You know, which they should continue to have as a female and in terms of being an adult human being. Isn't that what we want for all our clients? Like, hey, you can allow yourself to have the things that you enjoy within the certain parameters that you set for yourself and not go too crazy. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I think both youth and adult, it's pretty much the same thing. And if they learn it early. Right. Then you're setting them you're setting them up for long term success. Right. Exactly. This is what makes you a badass coach because oh. <laughs> the fact that you're doing this, I'm serious. Thank Having you. you on is extremely powerful for our adult women who have youth athletes or young girls. And for our young girls that may happen to listen to this somewhere in the world <laughs> that are, that have mothers that they, this also opens up dialogue, creates conversation in the family, um, especially with mother and daughters, which I think is really, really big deal. Yeah, it's really important um, because we learn. So like you were saying before, you know, we learn a lot of the habits from our family, um, our family life and what they do. And sometimes without even knowing, and it's not always, you know, a conscious thing, like the adults in our life don't always know the right way to do things. Like that's why there are experts in every field. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because a couple of the girls will come up to me and, you know, share, oh, Kojasia, like, you know, I started eating differently or I started doing this. I started tracking my food. Um, and you know, my mom's going to do it with me. We're going to do it Mm. together. So it creates dialogue. It creates opportunities to bond around healthy ways of living. Um, you know, I've seen athletes who have gotten their parents 
active and, and working out with them, especially over, um, you know, the last year with the pandemic, because we had to move a lot of our training online. So, mm -hmm. you know, I would tell students, like, if you have siblings that don't yeah, go to the jump school, in. Like, <laughs> jump in, like, it's fine. You know, you do it together. You're all in the same house anyway. But I think that's really important. And it, it starts, it's, it changes generations. It's generational real change down the line. And I, that excites me. <laughs> Exciting, impacting many people beyond just the athletes that you're coaching, obviously. And I, if I had a daughter, <laughs> I would say that I would love nothing more than for her to have somebody like you, Asia, to be a positive role model, teach them how to lift weights and be a <laughs> badass. Thank you. So I, ha I have no doubt that if you had a daughter, she would like be deadlifting crazy, <laughs> crazy weight. She's She'd coming be little out. girl. Cito. <laughs> she's little. Yeah. Little with my ears. little baby. Cito. She's, uh, she's, co she's coming out. And the first thing she's doing is grabbing a barbell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Are we going to put her on the hot seat here Thank at you all? So much. Oh, gosh. What hot seat? I thought I got well, away what? from the hot seat. Come on. Like, what's her favorite? Let's, let's get some of the favorites from Asia. Okay. Oh, like we didn't okay. we did okay. we had we didn't even right. talk about right. it kind of off, okay. but I figured we put her on the spot on. Okay. Like maybe get some favorites out so, of her. Oh no. Let me we'll do <laughs> they're we'll simple. Spitfire. Okay. Spitfire. Yeah, I'm ready. Spitfire. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm from Queens. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> Favorite exercise. Oh, squat clean. Well, just a clean, any clean. I mean it's really clean. just a clean, wow. right? Probably one no... of my, it's probably one of my least I probably can't even do a clean right now. I love clean. <laughs> Favorite food? Tacos. Mm -mm. Mexican, Favorite. but tacos specifically. Tacos. Good to know. Mm -hmm. Favorite Instagram page. Oh, it's a good one. It's eat right nutrition. It's it's a tie between at a girl, New York, and wait, wait, eat it right nutrition. It, it, it okay. can't be yours. It can't be yours. Yeah. Yeah. We got we need oh, to I give would, someone a let's see. Um like, who do you follow and look at every day? It doesn't even have to be fitness related. Is well, there who just do something? You, who, who do you follow that maybe you yeah. like, listen, they look up Inspire. to you. Who do yeah. you follow that you look up to? So there is a coach. Her name is Danielle uh, Wilson. I, I hope I'm saying that right. Um, but she's based in Chicago and I love watching her. She's so inspirational. I enjoy everything she does. And as far as I'm also like a huge foodie. So I really, really love it's called Just Eat Life. Um, and it's uh, actually a friend of mine, but she's amazing. And she just makes all these really amazing dishes and takes you through the process and the story behind it. Um, so Just Eat Life, her name is Jen Phanamrat. And Danielle Wilson is probably like a fitness person. I like, I really enjoy watching, you know, hey, awesome. watching or, or checking in on. What's like from a, well, I'm going to go with the clothing line. Cause you know, I have to yeah. ask like from a, whether it be sportswear or fitness wear, like what are your maybe top two brands that you love? I love, love, love Athleta mm. leggings. Yeah. I feel like they, you know, if I'm going to spend money and they're a little, you know, like they're like Lulu, they're expensive and I get it. But if I'm going to spend money on leggings, because I literally wear them every day of the week, yeah. Athleta for bras, sports bras, Carrie Underwood, believe it or not, has a really good sports bra. Really? Yeah. Kala. I gotta I check it out. Okay. And then for my more like mid range, I really love Aerie for joggers. Yes. Yep. Super um, I've never really heard comfortable. Of that. Yeah. And then for my tops, 
I honestly have collected, I haven't been top shopping in such a long time because I've collected so many gym shirts. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's just, it's too many. I could probably sell some. So we got to send, <laughs> we got to send you an eat right shirt. Yes. yes. I would love that. I would Those love are that. coming. They're on their way. They're in demand. And th- so they're coming. I'm, <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to wrap. Those are good ones. That's all. I just wanted to get a couple of those. You know, yeah, just, no, a couple. just a couple. And Asia, where do we find you on Instagram or website or wherever people can just go to click and find you? So you can find me at Asia Campbell 21 on Instagram. That's my personal handle. My business handle is at a girl dot NY A T T A G I R L dot NY. And the website is www.adagirlny.com. And I will say, I wish I had Asia's design skills on Instagram. You you do such a great job designing your posts. I'm like, this page looks like real clean, real professional. It's a really good page. Thank you, Canva. Thank you, Canva and Adobe Spark. <laughs> shout or, out to Canva. Shout out to Canva. Shout out if you want to sponsor. Hit up your girl. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Asia, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate your time. We appreciate all of your knowledge and wisdom. If you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe. Give us five stars. Write a review. Share this with a friend and you'll hear us next week. 